Let's go together. 22 and 6 of Proverbs. If you're there, say amen. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen. Let's say amen to the reading of the word of God. You may be seated. Praise God. There's a book written by a man named Robert Fulgham that uh, it's been out since, I guess, somewhere around 1990. I've seen bits and pieces of it through the years floating around on the Internet. And the title of this book is All I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And uh, there's some pretty powerful stuff in there when you read it. So I'm going to take a few minutes and read a couple of things to you. He said that all I really needed to know I learned. He said wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain. But there in the sand pile at Sunday school. And these are the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Somebody say amen. Amen. Clean up your own mess. This is getting better all the time, isn't it? Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. That's pretty good preaching and I hadn't even started. Wash your hands before you eat. I like this one, flush. If you've ever had to clean the church bathrooms, you can be seated. I don't need nobody running the aisles, dancing, shouting on that now. I kind of like this one. I'm still trying to work on this one, but I, I like it. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. I figured that'd be the loudest amen I got all night. (laughs) Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some. And draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. Wow. It's daylight savings weekend. (laughs) When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup. The roots go down and the plant goes up and nobody really knows how or why, but we're all like that. Goldfish, hamsters, and white mice. Even the little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die, and so do we. Everything you need to know is in there somewhere. The golden rule and love and basic sanitation, ecology, politics, equality, and sane living. He said, take any of those items and extrapolate it into your sophisticated adult terms and apply it to your family life, to your work, or your government, or your world, and it holds true and clear and firm. So I want to say... There's a really good chance that if we would go back to some things that we learned in kindergarten, life would be a whole lot better. Praise God. But I want to tell you there were some things I learned in Sunday school that will absolutely change the way that you live for God. There's some lessons that you cannot forget, but it will make you a mighty man or woman of war in this day and time that we're living in. Train up a child in the way that they should go. Yeah, there's some important lessons from kindergarten, but I want to tell you about some lessons that I learned in Sunday school. I want to start at the beginning of the Bible tonight. I want to start with Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. Are you ready? Y'all got your, y'all got your deep boots on. We're going deep right here. Are you ready? I want to tell you the first thing I learned in kindergarten. It's, it's really something that would help us here tonight. Don't listen to the devil Or it's going to get you in trouble. 
Don't listen to what the devil's got to say or it's going to get you in trouble. He'll start making you question what you know to be the truth. There's something about us as human beings I can't quite figure out. That whenever God says something over us, we have to be sure through three or four different voices and be sure that two or three witnesses establish the word. God said that we're going to be blessed and prosper and multiply. And our question is, God, was that you? But when the enemy speaks over our family and over our lives and over our jobs and over our marriages, we automatically buy it. When the devil tells us that it's over, we buy in 100% and we believe it. But I've come to help somebody tonight. Don't believe what the devil's telling you. I don't need, I don't need the mouths of two or three witnesses to tell me tonight that God wants me to walk in dominion and be fruitful and multiply. That's something that God put in my DNA. I feel like telling you tonight that the devil is a liar and the truth is not in him. Anything he's got to say over you, anything he's got to say about you, it is not the truth. Don't listen to the devil. He'll get you in trouble. He'll start telling you stories like the grass is greener on the other side. We, we're smart enough to know because we learned it in kindergarten, but we learned it in Sunday school. Grass isn't greener because it's on the other side of the fence. It's greener because somebody took care of it. It's green where it's been manicured, where it's been watered, where somebody has invested in it. You can always find something that looks a little greener than where you are right now. I preached, I believe it was Wednesday night about Abraham and Lot. Abraham said, hey man, you can have wherever you want. Pick the east or the west. Lot said, I believe I'll go where it's already green and well watered. Abraham went where it was dry and apparently it was a rocky place. But God gave him harvest. I want to tell you what I believe. I believe that God can give you harvest right where you are. I believe that God can give you revival right where you are. I believe that God can heal your family right where you are. I believe that God can turn, turn things around for you right where you are right now. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that God is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? If God is on our side, it really doesn't matter what the devil said. I learned that in Sunday school. I learned that in Sunday school. That the devil is a liar. Well, I want to tell you that as, as a 40-year-old man that has a family and thank God I'm pastoring this precious church, I still believe what they taught me in Sunday school. The devil's a liar. And I'm not going to listen to him. I don't care what he says. I don't care how good he makes it look. He wants you to believe there's an easier way. If you'll eat of that tree, everything's going to be all right. Here's what you need to know tonight. It's going to be all right anyhow. It's going to be all right. There's something about the way the enemy works. I wish I had time. I, I've got, I got to tell you six things that I learned, so stay with me. I'm not going to be here all night. But there's something interesting about the way that our human nature works and the enemy knows how to play on that. He is Elohim. He is a class that's different than human beings. He is angelic. He is the cherub that covereth is what the scripture said. He's in the class of angels of cherubims. He was guarding the presence of God. But he was there, I believe, at the beginning as man was being created and God was forming things. I believe that Lucifer saw those things. I believe that he was very aware, if I could say it like this, in the presence of the counsel of God. We know that he walked before the throne of God. We have several different places in the scripture. The Hebrew word is Satan, that, uh, whether it's literally Satan himself or uh, 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 an angel of light, something walking in the presence of God as decisions are being made and God is speaking with angels in the heavens in the council of God. It's there that things are transpiring and the enemy saw those things. And so when God made man and woman and put them in the garden, he knew exactly how to manipulate their minds. Now, I need you ladies to stay with me right here and understand the context of what I'm saying. But the enemy loves to get things out of alignment and out of order. Because Lucifer didn't go straight for the head of the house. Lucifer didn't go to the man. Lucifer found the woman when she was by herself. The scripture said the lesser vessel. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to walk all over your wife. 
That doesn't mean she's the weaker vessel as in it's going to be your way or the highway. It means that she is your help me to come alongside you, to be with you. But she is not to be the priest of the home. And men, I know you had men's conference this weekend, but let me just put a little bit on there. If your wife's the one that's leading prayer and fasting and word in your home, it's time to man up, square your shoulders up, and be a man of God in your house. It's time for our men to step up and lead. But the enemy knows how to manipulate things and get things out of alignment. So he goes to the woman and he starts talking to her and making her question things. It's unreal. All he had to do, listen now, all he had to do was just manipulate the scripture just a little bit. Did God not say? And you start questioning what you believed. I'm going to tell you there's a problem in this world that we live in today. People are too open-minded. They're so open-minded that their brains are falling out. From the way they live, the way they, they, they act, the places they work, the things they do for God, especially when it comes to serving the Lord, we're always, I'm just, I'm, I'm just checking my options. I'm, I'm open, you know. If God wants to do something else, listen, I'm going to tell you, I made up my mind a long time ago. That if the word said it, it's right. If God said it, it's right. There's not going to be some new truth. There's not going to be some new revelation. There's not going to be a new shortcut to revival in the end time. If you want to be saved, you've got to be saved the Bible way. If you're going to have revival, you're going to have revival the old-fashioned way. If you want to be born again, you've got to be born again of water and of the Spirit. If you want to see or enter the kingdom of heaven, you've got to repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Easy believism is killing us. That all you've got to do is open up your mouth. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And you're going to be saved. I believe that there's more to being saved than just saying I'm saved. There's a difference in your life when Jesus gets a hold of you. You don't want to do what you used to do. You don't want to go where you used to go. You don't talk how you used to talk. And you don't act how you used to act. There is a transformation that happens when you're born again the enemy will come to the weakest among us cause them to question I don't have time to go into the full narrative of the garden and everything that transpired but this is what we know is that there was something out of alignment when the woman of the house was making decisions for the family and the man of the house was somewhere over there hiding while she was having conversations with Satan that should have never happened. I know that history is what it is and everything has unfolded the way that it has. But men, there's a lesson for us to learn right here. The devil was functioning in an atmosphere where he did not have dominion. He had to be invited there. He had to be allowed to stay there. And the only thing in my opinion that had to happen was for man that had dominion in that garden was to step up to that serpent and say not my wife not my marriage not in my house Men, I want to tell you tonight, you've got a right to go home to your house and plead the blood of Jesus over your family Sister, I want you to know you've got a right to go home and pray over the doors and the windows of your house. You've got a right to anoint the doors with oil. You've got a right to plead the blood. It's time we get bold and put the devil back in his place and let him know, not in my family, not in my house, not in my marriage, not with my children. You're not going to believe this when I tell you because we love to blame things on the devil. Understand? But please hear me when I tell you that Adam and Eve's failure in the garden was not the devil's fault. Woo! Boy, it just got quiet up in here. Well, if the devil wouldn't have came in there, it would have never happened. If she wouldn't have started talking to him, it never would have happened. 
It's time we put the enemy in his place and let him know, you're in my house now. I want every devil in this region to know that God's got a church in this city. I want the gates of hell to know they still can't prevail against the church. Oh my God, Pastor, the enemy's got me so afraid. The Antichrist is going to do this, and the Antichrist is going to do that. But upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So you're either in the part that gets prevailed against, or you're in the part that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. I believe I'm going to tell the devil to get out. I'm not going to listen to the devil. I'm going to stay in the church. And if I wasn't in the church, I believe I'd get in the church. Come on. Pastor, there's things about it I just don't know. I really, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to find my faith. Your faith is there. But so is the enemy. And it is not God that's speaking to you, telling you, take it slow while you're giving your life to me. That's not God. It's not God that's telling you, just try the waters a little bit and be sure. It's the enemy. Because he knows what happens when you finally give in. I've seen it, oh Lord, I've seen it so many times in my life. I've seen people sit in meetings just like this. And watch these crazy Pentecostal people that dance and shout and clap and yell and scream. And they'll say, ooh, I'll never do that. I'm telling you right now, when you realize how good it feels to be free from all of the guilt and the shame and all the things that the enemy has held over you, there's a reason why I dance and there's a reason why I shout and there's a reason why the devil doesn't want me to. Yes. I know that I learned in Sunday school, you shouldn't listen to the devil. Because it will get you in trouble. I want to tell you something else I learned in Sunday school. And I believe it's all I need to know to have a successful Christian walk with God. I learned a story about a man by the name of Abraham. And Abraham teaches us a principle that I believe would help us all today. And that principle is very simply this. We're on number two. We're going to move quick. You ready? Be patient. God's word will always come to pass. When you start looking at Abraham, you find out when you get in a hurry, you do nothing but create a mess. If we had time, I sat at my desk late last night and I was going through some of the lineage of, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I was going through Jacob's children writing down, oh man, you talk about confusion, dear God have mercy. You start getting handmaids involved and dude had 12, 12 kids, 12 sons and one daughter and that one daughter, she got messed up. It was a jacked up deal. But there's something about this whole thing that we forget in all the chaos that God had his hand on Abraham and God had his hand on Isaac. But Isaac wasn't the only son. There was another son by the name of Ishmael. And I don't have time to go through the whole history lesson. But if you're wondering where the nation of Islam came from, it's Ishmael. It is. He's a strong nation. The Lord said he would be. said he would be a mighty nation. He would be a strong nation. But if you really want to know where he came from, he didn't come from the devil. He came from a man of faith that got impatient when God wasn't doing what he thought God should have been doing as quickly as he thought God should have been doing it. And so he stepped out of the will of God. And he started listening to voices that were saying, if God was going to do it, it would have already been done. But since God hasn't done it yet, you might as well take it into your own hands and deal with it your own way. I want to preach to somebody tonight that gets impatient every now and then if God said it God's going to do it the power of our faith is not manifesting the miraculous on our own but in waiting for God to do what God said he would do and when discouragement comes you keep on believing and when depression comes you keep on believing and when sickness comes you keep on believing and you walk by faith 
Somebody shout, be patient. Because if you're not patient, you're going to mess a lot of stuff up. Well, you know, Pastor, I just really believe that if God was going to get it done, He would have already had it done. Now you're going back to the first lesson. You're listening to the wrong voice. It's a voice that's telling you God can't do it anymore. God may have done it for your forefathers. God may have done it for the fathers of the faith. God may have done it for Abraham, but God can't do it for you. God may have done it for David, but those are Bible characters. They didn't live in the real world. It's so funny. He loves to make Bible characters a figment of our imagination. He loves to make it stories that really never happened. I'm telling you right now that the, the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, lets us look into a window that's more powerful than we have ever realized. These are people that had to endure some things. These are not people that God exercised the ministry of extraction for them every time they came up against the wall. But they got some grit in them that said, when the going gets tough, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be faithful. When I don't feel like going, I'm going to get up and go to the house of God when I don't feel like clapping my hands I'm going to clap my hands when I don't feel like dancing and shouting I'm going to shout anyway when I'm sick in my body I'm going to believe God can heal me when I don't feel good I'm going to worship till I do come on somebody I'll give God praise when I got money in the bank. I'll give God praise when the bank's empty. I'll give God praise when the house is filled. And I'll give God praise if I don't have a house. Yes. Be patient. Don't get in a hurry. If God said it, it's going to come to pass. I know that sometimes... It's hard for us to take a look at the humanity of people that we admire, but I'm a human being. If you pinch me, I'm going to scream if I don't punch you. Come on now. That was a joke. It was a joke, y'all. Y'all going to laugh. I'm a human. But I'm going to tell you this little lesson I learned about Abraham. Don't think bad of me. But it's kept me in this pulpit when I didn't feel revival. It's kept me preaching about harvest when we hadn't baptized somebody in weeks. Come on now. It's kept me going to the hospital when the doctor's reports kept coming back and saying, no, there's nothing else we can do. There's nothing else we can do. We've done all that we can do. It's over. Listen, this kind of faith will keep you going back and praying the prayer of faith when all the evidence says it's not going to happen. Some of you have been praying for the same children for years and years and years. Some of you have been praying for the same lost spouse for years and years and years. Well, let me just tell you something, sweetheart. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap if you'll faint not. Don't you throw in the towel and don't you quit. Don't you throw in the towel just because you're weary. The answer is on the way. And if God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen it's going to happen don't, don't, don't get in a hurry don't get in a hurry because you'll start giving birth to some things that you can't control oh. maybe it's a good thing they turned it to me early just kidding you can laugh at that too man y'all needed a longer nap today Praise God. Let's go back to that kindergarten story. Can I tell you about another lesson that I learned? It came from two different men. I like them. Great stories. I don't have time to preach both of their stories really, but I like it. It's a good story. I learned in Sunday school. And everything I learned in Sunday school is what I need to serve God today. I learned from two men by the name of Noah and Jonah. Y'all ready? Preach what God tells you to preach. Even if you think nobody's listening. Because sooner or later, they're all going to believe you. I know how it is. We read Genesis and we start looking at Noah. And we're like, oh, that's cute. He built a little ark. 
put all that together and then God just organized it all and orchestrated it and those little animals came in, they came walking. I, I, I remember the parts that I learned in Sunday school. I, I remember that. I remember the cute little, uh, the little velvet things, you know, you stick up there on the... They had a draft and another draft beside that and it was two by two for the clean. They're all walking up in the ark. I'm like, oh, look what he did. No, no, let me tell you something. That joker had to endure some stuff. That dude preached when nobody was listening. He was mocked. They laughed at him. He got up and said words like rain. People never heard that. We get up and preach about things like rapture. People are like, that ain't going to happen. I think I'll just take my chances. Well, that's all right. Someday everybody's going to believe what we've been preaching. <laughs> there came a day when Noah just kept building. When people didn't believe in what he was doing. Now, I, I, I wasn't there to see it all happen, but I do know this. He was married. And there were some tough conversations that happened at home. Oh, yes, there were. Do you know how much this has cost us so far? I feel like all you ever do is work. You are never here. Now you got our boys involved, and every time I look up, you're hauling logs out of the woods. Folks, I want to tell you something. Maybe you didn't know this. Maybe you did. I don't know. Noah didn't go to Home Depot to get lumber. He went at it Hensel style. He did. Like, well, back in the day when you had to, right? First time Brandon ever cut a tree at my house, I thought, dear God, that dude is part monkey. You think that's something, you ought to see Brother Horner. Like, how's that guy still doing that? It's unbelievable. And then I tell him about my saw, and he just smiles. So I'll tell you what you need. You need a steel that comes with a 17-inch barb to put a 14-inch on it. Is that right? And he said, that thing will rip. Well, I bet you Noah wished he had a steel saw. Because he didn't have Brandon Hensel's climbing gear. Him and his boys got out there and said, you push and I'm going to pull. We're going to make this happen. Because we're going to have to learn to work together when nobody else thinks it's important. See, I'm preaching. Y'all don't even realize it. We're going to have to learn to work together when nobody believes it. It's going to take some unity if we're going to make this happen. Well, we haven't seen the first evidence of rain, but you got to believe what I'm telling you. God said to build the ark, and we're going to build the ark, and I need you working with me, and you need me working with you. we got to get this done. If we all pull together, learned that in Sunday school. Together, together. I got preaching this the other day in California. And I got to the verse, and I was trying, I really was, Brother Snow, I was trying to be good. I got to that part that says, for your work is my work, and our work is the Lord's work. And I got the words mixed up. Because I got to that part that said, we all pull together, how happy we'll be. And I said, if your church is like my church, but if it's not like my church, then we can't work together. Because we'll let our opinions cause us to walk away. From the very thing that's going to be our protection in the end time. I thank God that everybody has a right to an opinion. But my opinion doesn't matter. When God said build the ark. He meant build the ark. And I'm telling you the Lord said he was going to build a church. And I believe I'm just going to stay with the church. It may not be the way I feel like it ought to be done. But if it's the Bible way. We got to stay in there and work until it's finished. got to work together because someday the doubters are going to be standing out there watching shaking their head and there's going to be a foreign feeling that hits them in the forehead boom 
What was that? Boom. I don't know. What is that? All of a sudden, storm clouds start rolling in. What are they doing? We've never seen anything like this. Listen. There were a lot of people who acted surprised by the rain when it started falling, but none of them had an excuse. And there's going to be a lot of people who act surprised when the trumpet sounds, but there is no excuse. Because we've been preaching for a long time that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel. I'm telling you, I still believe in the rapture and I still believe that his return is imminent. I believe that the Lord's coming back. I believe whether he comes back pre-mid or post-tribulation that he's coming back and you better be ready. Keep on building the ark. Keep on working and be ready. Be ready. I believe he's coming. And I believe he's coming soon. I said, I believe he's coming soon. Jonah, you preach what the Lord told you to preach because you got one or two options. You're either going to preach it or wish you would have. God, I found that to be the truth. You're either going to preach what he told you to preach or wish you would have. Nope. I think I've become more a fan of Tarshish. I think, I think that's the direction I'm going to go. Okay, your option. See, that's the thing about people. They don't believe God gives you options. Oh, he does. <laughs> you know, I could go to Nineveh, and I could risk it all, and I could preach repentance. Or I could go down here to Tarshish, and I could just put my feet in the sand, and I could relax, kick back. Folks, I hate to tell you this, but there's no such thing as retiring in the kingdom of God. You don't get to retire in the kingdom of God until the day you draw your last breath. It's time to tell people you got to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jonah, what do you think you're doing? He's like old Frank Sinatra. He did it his way. That's a song. He was a singer. Y'all are funny tonight. I didn't learn that in Sunday school. I learned that when I started dating my wife and she made me listen to worldly music. Why are you rolling your eyes, woman? My God. Jonah. I'm going to put you in a place where you can hear my voice again. Why would God send somebody through that? No, 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 listen. Some of you look at that whale, the great fish. The scripture said that God had prepared for Jonah. Some of you look at that as God's judgment. I look at it, Brother Castro, as God's mercy. If it would have been God's judgment when they threw him over the side of that boat, he would have went to a certain death. But God said, watch this. I've created something to come through here and give you one more chance to hear my voice. I'm telling you all tonight, just as sure as I'm breathing, I feel that sign in the Holy Ghost that the last few opportunities are passing by us right now. God's mercy is extended to us right now. Jonah, get ready. You're riding in mercy right now. But you're either going to preach it or wish you would have. Oh, my, my. Can I hurry? I learned a lesson in Sunday school. That when God says do it, you better do it. Because someday everybody's going to believe what you had to say. Let me preach to you about these four boys that you'll find in the Old Testament. Some of my favorite Sunday school stories. They all got new names. When they moved them into Babylon, they all got new names. But none of them accepted them. We call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then Daniel. And I want to tell you a little lesson that I learned from these four guys. It's pretty powerful. Are you ready for the first lesson I learned? This is the lesson I learned from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if this don't light your fire, your wood's wet. I'm going to tell you what I learned. If you'll stand up for God, 
he'll stand up for you. I said, if you'll stand up for God, he'll stand up for you. If you boys don't bow down to the sound of the music, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. They said, and then can your God deliver you? They said, oh, king, we will not be quick to answer you in this matter. Our God is able to deliver us. But if he does not deliver us, we still will not bow. You need to know this today. I learned it in Sunday school. If you'll stand up for God, he'll stand up for you. This is not a one-time thing. It's a book of Acts principle. Because the Bible said that Stephen, and I, I, I wish I had time to really preach this. It's a whole sermon on its own. But the Bible said that Stephen was being stoned and Paul was standing there. Stephen's spirit was right with God. But understand where we're at in the scripture is that Jesus has already been crucified, buried, resurrected, and ascended to his rightful place in glory. Hebrews said that he offered one time and he sat down. That's what it said. That Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of power. He's seated. But Stephen, when he was being stoned, he said, Lord, lay this not to their charge. And the Bible said that he looked up into heaven and there he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of power. It's interesting. Because if you understand chronologically what's happening, Jesus has already taken his seat. But when Stephen took a stand for Jesus, he looked up into the heavens and Jesus stood back up. Because if you'll stand for Jesus, he'll stand for you. If you'll take a stand right now, it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what kind of trouble you face. If you'll take a stand for God, God will stand for you. Hallelujah. Let me hurry. And then there was a fourth one. He was powerful. He was a prayer warrior. He refused to be defiled with the king's meat and the king's drink. Daniel, powerful guy. There's a really neat lesson that I learned in Sunday school. Y'all ready? Here comes your kindergarten Sunday school. If you'll open up your mouth and pray, he'll shut the mouth of the lion. It is not my job to walk around shutting the mouth of every lion that won't quit roaring. You need to know that your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. My job is not to shut the mouth of the lion. My job is to open up my mouth and sing praises to the lion of the tribe of Judah. If you'll open up your mouth and you'll pray to God, then God will shut the mouth of the lion. I learned that in Sunday school. Darius couldn't sleep. What have I done? This boy's been thrown into the lion's den. He don't deserve that. Now I know this isn't the King James Version, but it's, it's in the Bible just like this. It doesn't say it just like this, but it's in there. They put Daniel in there to be devoured. But the Bible said that God turned that lion into a my pillow. He did. That lion that should have devoured him wasn't there. Man, I could embarrass one of my kids right now, turn him into one of my pillows, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> he got down there on the ground. I believe, wasn't there, but I believe. And I got the microphone, so that's all that matters. That's how I believe. I believe that he laid his head down on the chest of that lion and he heard it just purring. Old tail just kind of flip a little bit. Daniel got down on the ground. He said, hey, buddy, 
I believe I need a pillow for the night. And that old lion didn't have any choice. He just looked up for a second and laid his head back down. Kind of pushed on his belly just a little bit and said, Woo! Whoever that was you ate earlier, his elbows in my... I don't like that. Let me go over here to this one. I don't like that. And he got over here to this one. Yeah, it feels pretty good. And while they're expecting Daniel to be consumed, he's laying over here in the will of God. Did you hear what I said? In the will of God. The lion's den was the will of God. I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through because it's the will of God. Your character's being formed. You got to learn to walk in with faith, even if you're afraid, and know that if God's for you, it's going to be all right. It takes a different kind of confidence for them to open up a lion's gate. You to just look back at him, give him a nod, square your shoulders up, and walk in there like you own the place. But when you know who your father is, what it, well, how do you know he knew? Because he talked to him three times a day. And when they told him to close the window, he just kept on praying. And when they told him to be quiet, he just kept on praying. If you'll communicate with him outside of the lion's den, you'll know that everything's going to be all right when you get in there. That's a problem. Some of us wait to call on him when we're surrounded by lions. But if you'll talk to him before you get there, you're going to know that everything's going to be all right. Uh, Pastor, are you afraid of the end times? If I told you I didn't have some trepidations, I'd probably be lying. I've got kids. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to make this spooky-wooky, but i got kids. I mean, dear God, I, I, I've been worried the last couple of years what we've been through. It's been weird. i got kids, and i got church family, and I love you precious people. I thank God for you. It's hard when you, you can't be together. And in the end time, if we have to stay around too long, it looks like there may be some pretty chaotic things that happen. And I really don't, I don't want my, my, my kids to go through weird things. I mean, that's just the daddy in me. But while I may have some trepidation about the uncertainty of it, I can tell you this for sure. I'm not afraid. Because if the worst thing in the world they can do is threaten you with what you've waited for all your life. I know. I, I get it. Oh, God, that's scary. Look, you got to get ready. You got, you got, if you have not repented of your sins and been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you, you better get ready. It's time to get ready. Because if it happens, and this isn't fear mongering, I'm just telling you, if, if there's things that happen, I mean, you know, I, I've heard it all. Antichrist, Mark of the Beast, I believe it's in there. But let's, let's forget all that, Brother Stephen. What about, what if it's just a car wreck? We're talking about the Antichrist here. What about just falling and tripping and hitting your head and falling over dead? Come on now. I mean, what, what, what like, uh, what's Texas... Governor Abbott, he was out running. A tree just fell and hit him. He's been crippled. Like, what do you do then? Like, this wasn't the Antichrist. This ain't the mark of the beast. It's life. What are you going to do if it comes to an end before you're ready? I'm not even going to give you the answer. You know the answer. It's time to get ready. It's time to open up your mouth and call on the name of the Lord. Because if I've got to walk into the lion's den... I'm going to walk in there with my shoulders squared up knowing God is for me. And so while Daniel's over there snoring, taking a nap on the belly of a lion, Darius is tossing and turning in a sweat-soaked bed saying, what have I done? You hear me when I tell you there's something that's a supernatural peace, Bishop. It passes all understanding in knowing that God has got this thing. I learned that in Sunday school. Be faithful. Open up your mouth and pray. Stand for God. Do whatever you've got to do. And God's going to take care of it. I'm almost finished. 
I'll talk to you about one more guy, and I'm done. He's one of my favorite Bible characters. I loved him in Sunday school, and I still love him today. I probably preached about this guy more than anybody except for Jesus Christ himself. He's an interesting guy. Old Testament character. There's probably more um, secular people that make reference to this Bible character than any other in the world. Seen it at boxing matches and uh, basketball championships, whatever. Whenever there's an underdog, they'll make reference to this guy, David and Goliath. Yeah. It's the underdog versus the giant. But that's a pretty secular idea. Because I don't believe that David ever was the underdog. Well... So here's what we know about David that when God sent the prophet Samuel over to Jesse's house to anoint the next king, David was anointed king, but he wasn't picked first. He was picked last. And so here's the first thing that I learned in Sunday school about David. Don't be intimidated if you're not picked first. Because when God picks you, It's going to happen if every brother in the world gets jealous. When God picks you, his hand is on you. It doesn't matter who says it shouldn't happen. When God picks you. If God picks you, it doesn't matter what Jesse says. Samuel said, uh, are these all of them? These are all your boys? He said, well, there is one more. Now, this could be a coincidence for somebody. I'm going to tell you, for me, it's doctrine. It's faith. I believe it. It's amazing to me that all the boys who lined up expecting to be anointed were not. But the one who was busy working about his father's business, expecting nothing, is the one that was anointed. God is not going to use the people in the end time church who feel like God owes it to them to be used. God's going to use the people who find themselves busy and working when nobody else is out there to applaud them. Hey, I want to tell you that David did get to play his harp in the presence of a king. But before he played it in the throne room, he played it on a hillside. And before he ever danced before King Saul, he danced before the Lord by himself. So you may not get picked first. But when God has picked you. Look folks, listen to me. If you've been filled with the Spirit of God, you've been picked. When you chose to walk with the Lord, you've been picked. You've been selected. God's hand is on you. You don't have to worry or be afraid. And it leads me to the last but not least. The last point. The last thing that I learned from David in Sunday school. If God is on your side, there is no giant that's big enough to stand in your way. I pray to God that I'll have the faith that David did. He never looked at that giant and called him a giant. He looked at him and called him what he was. He said, you uncircumcised Philistine, you come at me with a shield and with a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. When I look at this world I'm living in right now, there's a lot of things I see that are bigger than me, but they're not bigger than my God. They're not bigger than his presence. They're not bigger than his power. There is no giant that can stop a move of God. If God is on my side, let's stand together. No foe can stand against us. If God is on my side, I don't have to be afraid. I've preached it many times through the years, but I still believe it to be true. The Bible said that David took off running towards Goliath. I don't know. 
Some say he was trying to outrun his fear. I don't believe that because he had a chance to back out when Saul told him he couldn't do it. Everybody can always tell you how to do it. You hear me? Here, son. Put this on. No, I don't want to put it on. That empty, that, that, that empty armor syndrome that Saul had, that's, that's pretty prevalent in the church, you know. They don't want to put it on, but they can tell you how to wear it. He said, I can't do it. It hadn't been tried. He said, well, I don't think you can whoop him because you're just a youth. I, 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 I don't think you can do this. David said, there's a cause that's bigger. And I'm going to face this uncircumcised Philistine. And I'm going to go at him in the name of the Lord. I don't believe David ran because he was trying to outrun his fear. I believe David was running because he knew God was going to use somebody. And if David would hurry up and get there, he would be the one that God used. If we're running in the end time, let's not run for the sake of fear. Let's run because God's going to have a church. And if he's going to use somebody, let it be us, FPC. Let's run with all we've got. Let's run toward the prize. Let's run toward the enemy instead of running away from him. If God is on our side, no giant can defeat us. No enemy can destroy us. I've come to tell you tonight, God believes in you. And I believe in you. And I believe God's going to use us in the end time. We're going to see giants fall down. We're going to see Jericho walls fall down. If God be for us. I know when I read what Robert Fulgham said about kindergarten, he said, I learned everything I needed to know the rest of my life. But, Bishop, that's how I feel. Everything I need to know, I learned in Sunday school. If God is for me, I can make it. I need about a dozen people in here tonight that will believe what I'm preaching to you. I want you to find somebody close to you right now. I want you to look them smack dab in the eyeball. And I want you to tell them God believes in you. And you're going to make it. Come on. I said God believes in you. Pastor, I'm struggling. I can't keep it together. I just can't get it all right. Hey, God believes in you. You're going to make it. I haven't been as strong as I should be yet, but you're stronger than you were. Keep on coming every time the doors are open. Keep on raising your hands and worshiping. Keep on shouting and singing. Keep on dancing and run the aisles. It's going to be all right. God is for you.